What's up, everybody? This is Micah Ness, and you're listening to Silverline Behind the Frame, episode number 34. And right now, with everything going on in the world today, we have all been affected in different ways. And our purpose has always been with this podcast to inspire and to share. And we're excited to continue sharing our podcast with you again, starting with this inspirational talk. And in this episode, while I was on the Grand Canyon earlier this year, 2020, I uh, had the opportunity to spend time with a good friend, Johnny Waite. And I met Johnny through a mutual friend when I was asked to document a climb on Aconcagua in Argentina several years ago. And incredible trip still to this day. And got to spend time with him and his wife and great group of people. And Johnny is a motivational person that does he does personal coaching and business coaching, but he's also done some crazy extreme ultra marathons and death races. And for many years, he's been a part of the Spartan Race community and is also a host of the Spartan Up podcast and has just traveled the globe and done so many different things. And I love one of his sayings is to not just have a adventure of a lifetime, but have a lifetime of adventures. And through this talk, we get into a wide range of topics and ways to challenge the mind and the body, and he shares a wealth of knowledge. So we hope you get some inspiration and just get to enjoy this talk. All right. Well, welcome to Silverline Behind the Frame. Today we have John Waite, or Johnny, as you... Seems like you like to go by Johnny more. I'm a Johnny, yeah, through and through. Johnny, through. Yeah. And, uh, you just <laughs> take a look at his face and hear his laugh. He's definitely, definitely a Johnny. Um, and why don't, Johnny, why don't you tell us where are we at right now? At yeah, this, this very is, moment. This is great. I've never had the opportunity to record a podcast in the Grand Canyon. <laughs> we, we are at Granite Camp or Granite Park, which is yep. a beautiful, big open campsite. Uh, about. 85% of the way through the Grand Canyon, I guess. Uh, you've been down here. Well, I guess we came down together. We're, we're, we're both yep. 13 days into our 15-day trip. And uh, the group we're with has been 25 days. And it's, it's uh, I'd, I'd run rim to rim to rim before, across the Grand Canyon to back. And I've been mm-hmm. here as a kid looking down into it. But so unique to cruise through it. But even more unique in the middle of this wilderness off the grid, no communication with the world, to be communicating with the world, <laughs> albeit uh, belatedly. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's something that... Uh, I think we've we've talked a little bit about it before because this this is my second time on the trip yep. uh, doing this and but this time is only half, yeah. and even in just the limited amount of time to be able to disconnect both in, in reality. I mean, you have communication now with a lot of the devices, yeah. uh, Garmin in reaches and those kind of things. You can communicate, but it's it's up to you to choose to do so. But it's so much easier to actually disconnect and reconnect, I feel like, is huge. Very much so. And to be with people who are of that ilk. You know what I mean? Like the the people we're down here with have spent time off the grid, have spent time away, and know how to separate and decompress. And it's funny, for me, um, it's more intermittent. I know that you're you're in the field more than I am, and I, uh, I, I crave it. And when I'm out there, I really enjoy it. But it probably takes me an extra day or two to slide into that gear right which yeah. most people never ever get a chance to because even if you go away for a week you're somewhere where there's an agenda and there's uh and there's um entertainment yep. and i can't believe you know when i'm somewhere and walk into someone's house or walk into a hotel room and the tv's on nobody's watching but the tv's on it's like yeah. wow really <laughs> and uh, it's nice because here that option isn't there and so yeah. as a group it forces you to communicate with each other 
Yeah. You know, even you think about back home, you might be with people and everyone's, they're talking, but they're also on their phones talking with other people. Yeah. And here when you're talking, you're talking. Yeah. You, you, you just are. Yeah. yeah. And you don't have, you don't have that thing in the back of your mind. And that's what's big for me too, just being on uh, a trip like this is, is actually being able to, I mean, disconnect in just in the sense of being able to not have to worry so much about day to day. I mean, there's still things to worry about. I stay in touch with what's happening back home and the business and stuff like that. But just here, there's only so much you can do. You can communicate a little bit and give some, you know, whatever you need to, but there's, you are limited to your involvement in that. And there's something almost freeing in that to just be in a place that that doesn't, those things don't matter as much. Uh, Andrea, my wife, who you know from our climb at Aconcog when she's on this trip with us, um, it's funny when, when we climbed back in Cog, when somebody said to her afterwards, oh my God, it looked so hard. That must have been so difficult. And she said, you know, in hindsight, it was the easiest two weeks of my entire life. Yes, it's right foot, rest, left foot, rest, you know, yeah. repeat many thousands of times, then set up camp and everything else. But there was nothing to deal with. You just, and you, you dealt with what was in front of you, the yeah. weather, the, the wind, the whatever. Right. But um, it was so focused. And down here, it's so focused. Put miles into a river, set up camp enjoy your surroundings yeah and you don't have you don't have the um the the screen behind the teller at the bank telling you about all the world disasters you can't do anything about and you don't yep. have the water cooler conversation about gossip about tv shows that have nothing to do with your life <laughs> like it's it's just all very real when you're okay. yeah yeah and and so this at this moment i mean th- there's a few different things that have led up to um both you and i you know getting to be here together on the yeah. grand canyon um so we had met uh through a mutual friend sean Meehan, yep. Uh, from ireland yep from ireland yep. and uh and this was back in 2000 what was it 2000 well 15 yep. is when uh really I, I mean you when did you so i ended up on this trip climbing this big mountain. I'd never even heard of this mountain before. Yeah. Sean calls me up out of the blue or actually he sent me a Facebook message or something yeah. and, and mentioned just this random things like, hey, would you be interested in climbing this mountain? And I, yeah. I'd never even heard of this mountain, let alone knew anything about it, what it took. And it was only months out. I mean, yeah. I think three months out or something like that. So the story behind that, so I'd always <coughs> wanted to climb a mountain. I'd done a bit of research and Aconcagua struck me as... Um, it's one of the seven summits, so you know it's the highest mountain in South America. Yeah, and it's a uh, it's not a super technical climb. It's not like you know Denali oh, yeah. or, or Everest that you need um, real significant experience, but it's also a real mountain, and there's there's real elements. and uh, And we had a guide um, uh, from from Chile who was amazing. Uh, we actually ended up with three guides, yeah. and um, but I uh, in the fall of 2014 did what I often do, which was took an idea and just threw it on Facebook and said, "Who wants to go?" And uh, there were 10 people signed up, two had to back out. So we had some space on the trip at the very last minute. And it was both due to pregnancies. It was, it was funny. Well, one was <laughs> pregnant and one his wife was pregnant, so they didn't go. Anyway, yeah. um, Sean had met you in uh, Fuego Agua mm-hmm. at Nicaragua, where I'd met Sean in 2013. And yeah. so you met him, I think, 2015. Okay. You're down there doing yep. the film for Mark, yep. Mark Wheeler. Wheeler. Yep. And, uh, and Sean called me and he said, hey, I've got an idea. I've got this guy, Mikey. He's awesome. If we could just bring him on the trip, the, the video and photography would be off the chart spectacular and i looked at it and i thought okay yeah that's a good idea and i sort of took it on myself to pitch it to the rest of them you know yeah. I, got, I got this guy coming in last minute and um everyone was down with it and i was actually very nervous because i hadn't met you and uh and all of a sudden i'm like <laughs> what if this guy shows up and he's like terrible you're putting all this trust in this guy <laughs> I, yeah, and we're so, hoping is actually what he <laughs> you show up there's you're totally out of shape can't carry the stuff up the mountain you know take terrible pictures and it turned out the exact opposite and actually um it was it it made that trip so much better in that 
you know, people talk about an adventure of a lifetime. And I have a philosophy. Yeah. I want to have an, a, a lifetime of adventures of a lifetime. Yeah. And, that's um, great, great saying. But at the same time, you go and you do something, and if you can't capture it in a visceral, real way, mm-hmm. it existed, but but it's impossible to convey that to someone else. Yeah. And, you know, my uh, my uh, iPhone photos are okay, mm-hmm. but um, but they're, you know, it's limited by my photo- photographic ability. It's limited by the technology. It's limited by the, you know, the, the, the range. Whereas you came up, and one of my very favorite pictures, there were, there were a couple that were on, well, there were many, many that were unbelievable, but I love the one where you hung back about a mile and a half, yeah, and then took a perfect crisp shot of these little ant-like people, and the detail is so sharp that you can tell who's who by our jackets and our yeah. gait and everything else. But it really actually set the scope of how big that mountain was. Right, and um, and so when we came back and we were able to share those photos with friends, it was almost like they were able to go. Yeah. And and you could never do that with your own photography or your own even words. And uh, Andrew and I were actually um, invited to come out and give a presentation um, to a group in our in our town, a group of outdoors enthusiasts. You know, none of whom had done this trip, and most of whom never will. But they all got to experience it because we shared yeah. a lot of the photos you took. So I, I think it's really really important. And so this trip, just to to bring that full circle, back in November of uh, 2019. I um also fairly last minute <laughs> last minute trip comes up. Yeah, these you know about a year in advance, right? And this is a last minute permit yeah. came up. You got called. Hey, do you know anyone who can go? You knew a bunch of people, which is great, and it's filled this trip out beautifully. But I had just uh, done a random get in touch with the group, and so I I, I hit a you know a, a message all for that um that Nicaragua or sorry yeah. the uh, the um Aconcagua group, and in that chat you said, hey, do any of you guys want to go in the Grand Canyon? And and Andrea and I have a philosophy which is whenever possible say yes yeah. whenever possible um and sometimes it's not possible and uh when i when i speak to groups i talk about that um yes is the gas and no is the brakes and you can't go through life without brakes it's pretty mm-hmm. hectic and dangerous yeah but you can't go through life standing on the brakes right the gas is what's going to get you places the brakes are just going to keep you from going over the cliff now and then <laughs> and so um whenever possible say yes so when you asked me or well asked us and i immediately thought this is something we have to do. Like this really is, and uh, pitched Andrea, and she was down with it. And so, so here we are in the Grand Canyon with you on very short notice. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and um, and incredible. And the, the the group. I mean, I think a lot of people don't get how much goes into an undertaking like this. Yeah. You know, Travis as the trip leader has done so much work. All the pre planning, every location, every travel day, how far you're going to go, all the permits. I mean, and then to find a. Uh, <coughs> capable boat captains who are all going to get along and then get enough people to actually make it financially feasible yep. uh, who also even if they don't come with the um, the experience and the skills come with the willingness to work and the general aptitude in the outdoors and things like that um, but also then um, you know uh, an outfitter like like pro who puts together um, uh, the the whole package um, it's it's a it's a real big enterprise and right. but the other thing with that is as big as it is there are people and organizations out there to help you. Yeah. And I think that, that that's a real um, impediment for a lot of people who want to do more outdoor stuff. They think, well, where would I even start? Yeah. If you have an interest and a willingness, you can definitely find the resources. Like the um, yeah. that uh, that guidebook that you guys all have that I'm going to yeah. race home and buy <laughs> that, that breaks the, 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 um, the river down like by point mile, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's like uh, mile 106.3. This is yeah. the side canyon. This is the camp. This is the rapid. Right. Um, you know, there have been people through here before that um, that share their knowledge and their expertise, so you know where the great side hikes are and, and yeah. things like that. So, yeah, that, that that's a long answer, but but that's how we end up here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's such a 
it's an interesting way and just even a lot of the people that are on this trip how the different paths have have melded together to end up you know to this moment and a lot of some things very intentional some things more serendipitous and yep. and even just leading up to that or original adventure with you um and just the whole crew there and how how amazing that trip ended up being just with again people that i didn't know i mean when i first came on this trip uh heather kelly was the one that the only one i knew on the whole the whole expedition yeah and so you're going into something trusting someone else that they're going to bring in the right people that are going to meld well with the rest of the crew and but it's something that it gives a little bit more at least for me a little more uh, extra excitement and anticipation sure. and stuff, just knowing that there's, you're not just going with people you know that you have already known, but even people that I do know. I mean, I, I went into this trip with, you know, half of the crew. It was people that I knew, well, at least knew, you know, in the outside <laughs> sure, world. Knew of. But yeah. you come down here on this river and you see whole different sides of people yeah. that you've never seen before. You get yeah. to, you get to have these conversations, like you said, face to face, and you don't have these other distractions. I mean, you have the distractions of just, the amazing, you know, beauty all around of, of this, this place. Um, but you can really get to know someone a lot better at a different level. And I think that's something very unique from a lot of these different trips. I like to think of life as Venn diagrams. And, uh, you know, I, I had that Venn diagram that Sean was in. And then he introduced me to you, which yeah. then introduced you to a whole other group of people. Yeah. You know, I know that uh, Drew Dockstetter and then Philip yeah. DeBerger and, uh, and uh, Eliana, we never would have met them outside yeah. of that. And then coming down here, I now have, you know, another dozen people above and beyond the ones new coming in who I consider friends who I'll stay in touch with. And, and somewhere down the road, not too long from now, one of them is going to call or I'm going to call one of them and say, I've actually already pitched uh, Columbia this fall to a few of you guys. I'm going <laughs> to circle around back to that. But, um... But it's just so cool that um, that whenever you say yes to something and go and do it and and uh, uh, acquit yourself well, you know, you show up um, and, 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 and do what's expected of you, um, it opens up a whole other realm of new possibility. Right. And right. Uh, so, th so that uh, that Venn diagram becomes like a spirograph after a while of awesome people. There's just a hummingbird that yeah. flew by. That was that was amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so. So outside of, I mean, you, you've obviously gotten to do some some pretty incredible adventures and things, but when it comes down to being able to live that type yep. of a life, a life of ventures of a lifetime, yeah, sure. Um, what is what is your? I mean, give a little backstory on on you of how did you get to a place where you can live this type of a sure. of a life, and what is that kind of a a summary of that process been for you? Well, um, so up until 2009, I lived a pretty straightforward life. It was a great life. I was a realtor. I had a you know, subdivision house, all that good stuff, and, um, and was living a good life. But, um, but it, it was In Canada. In Canada, yep, Ontario, Canada. Was, but wasn't full of this kind of adventure. Yeah. Um, it was a great life, and then it all sort of blew up on me. And over the next couple of years, I, um, I refocused, um, and I'd done a bit of coaching in real estate, coaching people on becoming better realtors, and I was fascinated by coaching, so I studied hypnosis and coaching and um, became, um, a coach slash hypnotherapist and along the way stumbled into, um, uh, Spartan racing. So obstacle racing. Yeah. And, um, and through that into, um, longer form sort of extreme, you know, death race stuff. And, uh, and just got known in that world and some of the, the leaders in that world, um, uh, noticed some of my communication abilities. And so I started doing some writing for Spartan race and then some facilitating of some of their, um, planning on some things. And then all of a sudden, in the fall of 2012, got asked to be their uh, international quality manager. 
So Spartan Race at that time was going from what was four countries to what is now 45 countries. And I was very involved in probably the first 30 some of them. So traveling around the world, opening new countries up for Spartan Race. And um, that's that's actually, I met Sean at Fuego Agua and recruited him and Josue and a bunch of those guys into that Spartan world. Yeah. And which allowed me to step out of it, which was nice because it's very all consuming as well. And I still do some contract work for them where I go and I, like next month I'm in Australia. I spent a lot of last um, uh, spring in uh, Malaysia. Just going in, sort of doing some troubleshooting, some problem solving, things like that. But um, uh, and just for in case there's anybody that sure. doesn't know, I'm sure everybody has seen the Spartan races sure. or been involved in one. But just in a nutshell, yeah. what what does that so, entail? So the whole obstacle racing world, you know, there's a whole bunch of different companies. Spartans, the one that sort of seems to have thrived through it all. Um, it's it's a running race that involves a whole bunch of obstacles. You know, you're climbing over fences, you're crawling under barbed wire, you're throwing spears, you're dragging blocks, you're carrying sandbags. Um, think of a military obstacle um, course, but over five to fifty kilometers. Yeah. And um, you know, uh, the, and some of the big ones, like the fifty k ones, five o, thirty miles in um, the mountains, are really like existentially difficult. Yeah. And so it's fun des- designing those, executing them. And I'd never really been a project manager in the past, but I had to develop those skills pretty quickly to to, to manage. Um, races for 15,000 people over three days. Um, and, and they're not all the same. I mean, you're taking basic everyone. elements, right? You're always going to have a spear throw, I'm yep. guessing, and yep. some barbed wire and stuff, but then you do you meld it based on what the location on is? On the terrain, yeah. Yeah. And there's things like, for example, um, you want to make it spectator-friendly for the friends and family who are there, so you have to bring it back, looping through the festival area a few times. The festival's a huge component of it because you've got vendors and sponsors and uh, food and things like that, and um, toilets and uh, accommodations and flight manifest for people coming in so it, it's a big big enterprise yeah um and that's why i say it's also very all-consuming so i've done it full-time where you're a full-time race director you're a full-time quality manager and it's just go 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 and people would say to me what's mexico like i'd say what's well, like a spartan race what's poland like <laughs> it's a lot like a spartan race yeah. <laughs> and uh, so you're in the countries but you're not you're not spending time really in them and yeah. so um so by stepping back from it and doing it more in a in a consulting capacity, um, it's allowed me to refocus on the coaching, which I really really enjoy. And and um, so that company's alter ego life adventure comp- company, and um, the the big component of that is is coaching. And the idea is that everyone would r- almost everyone would rather be doing something other than what they're doing, which is not a great way to go through life. Right. So I help them figure out how to take more joy out of what they're doing while transitioning into the thing that they want to be doing. Yeah. Um, so it's not throwing out the baby with the bathwater. It's figuring out how can you get the best of both worlds while fitting in more of that thing that you want to do. And, um, yeah, so I can do that from anywhere. Now, I can't do it from the Grand Canyon. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I actually did pause it for a few weeks while I came down here, just designed my, my yeah. first quarter of 2020 with an offering ar- around this, including this three-week gap in the middle. So, yeah, so that's, that's what it allows me to. But I just want to mention, too, that I think a lot of people – they think they can't do this, so they don't do this. Right. And, you know, um, I've spoken to, to, to companies where I say, wouldn't it be awesome if your boss tomorrow gave you two weeks off to do anything you wanted and even paid you for it? Hell yeah. What would you do with it? And they tell me, oh, I do this, I do that. I go, cool. Well, he gave you two weeks off last year. What would you do with that? Well, I cleaned the eavesdroppers, right? Right. And, uh, and people don't get um, – and then the other thing is, it's funny, um, so Andrew's resort, um, she um, – she has a lot of people come up for a week to snowmobile or a week to ice fish or whatever in the winter. And, and it strikes me that they're almost all tradesmen. And yeah. so, so it's not like you have to have this, um, this business like I do that gives you that freedom. Uh-huh. There's almost any job. If you start designing your life around this, 
you can find ways to do it and you can find the time to carve out and do it. You just have to prioritize it. Right. Yeah. Um, the other part of that, though, that I think is really key is um, the cultural drumbeat that beats awfully strong says have the big house, have the new car, have the newest TV, have, right. you know, all these things. And for most people, it is an either-or scenario. Like, Andrew and I have a little house, and I have a 10-year-old Subaru that I'm very happy with, and it affords me the ability to do some of this stuff. Yeah. And um, and I think that's a really, really great trade-off. A lot of people will wish they were doing this, they have the big house, and then they might come and look down from the rim, yeah. right, on a holiday. Yeah. And that's, uh, it's, it's kind of a, a very literal representation of being in a place like this where you do have several people like, Oh yeah, I've been to the Grand Canyon. I've, yeah. I've, I've seen it. And, and I actually had never seen it even before stepping into it. So sure. that was kind of a, a unique way to, to experience it. Yeah. But, um, just people looking on the outside and seeing into something and that's still, it's still experiential. I mean, yep. it's, I encourage everybody to, to go and check it out and, you know, hike down into the bottom or whatever, whatever level you can do. Yeah. Um, but then there's this this other level of something that even previously, and I've told other people this too, is that I, I didn't even know this was possible. Yeah, sure. And and when my eyes were opened up to that because of the good friend Heather, like that changed the whole mentality of what is possible, even just in a one trip scenario. Yeah. And just seeing that, oh, it is something that you just have to know some of the right people to, to get on the right list that you, it's not impossible to permit, like, you know, anybody can put in for it. And it's, it really can be applied to a lot of different things, even in life too. hundred percent. And in terms of applying that to life, whatever somebody wants to, it doesn't have to be this. It could be something, you know, they're doing this job and they'd really rather be doing that job. Just start putting that out there. Start asking people about it. Start finding people who are doing that thing, right? Um, I wrote a blog post a year ago and it was, uh, thank you for being blanker than I am. And it was, I used to resent people who were blanker than me know smarter faster stronger sure. richer whatever yep. and um and because they have this thing that you want you resent them and you start making them wrong for it and then uh and then you're never going to get it because you've now created you know bad energy around that thing that you actually really want right and it was find those people who are doing the things you wish you were doing who have the skills you wish you had and talk to them yeah like find out how they do it you know how they got that skill and people want to share people really want to share yeah so um so yeah absolutely it's a Put yourself in the path of, of the kind of people who are doing the kinds of things you want to do. Exactly. And and on that, too, so for, for the things that you get to do of helping people in those different yep. positions, whether it be in personal or business or whatever, maybe like I said, building into something that they want to be, that they feel like they want to be doing, yep. um, how are you able to get yourself in front of those types of people that are in the place that are open to hear what you have to say or sure. what's, uh, what's been the best way. I mean, is it, is it a lot of the, you know, getting connected to people just even through stuff like this, or is it just from your experience in travels and stuff? Or how, how do you find yourself in, it, in the it, place to work with people? It's all the above. So at the start, when I was first in my coaching, it was, it was really tricky because I didn't have a platform, right? Like I, I had a message. I had what yeah. I wanted to say, but who was I? And so, you know, I'd get some friends, always challenging coaching friends. Um, I'd, I'd get some friends of friends, which is a little bit easier, you know, some word of mouth and was able to make a bit of a go of it. But at the start it was, it was, um, bare bones. Yeah. And then, um, when the Spartan thing came up, I saw it as a detour, but I was willing to do it. But that then put me in the path of a lot of people because I was suddenly a race director and you know people only yeah. from the race director. And then right. I got doing the Spartan up podcast, which we've done, you know, had a huge reach. Sure. 
and so suddenly you, you you blow up and you just you just are somebody. And it's it's, it's not that it's um that I'm any different than I used to be or that I'm any better or worse than anybody else. It's just that there are more people who know who you are, right? Yeah. But you still have to leverage that and leverage it responsibly. So I I post a lot on social media. Like uh, I shouldn't even say social media. Facebook. <laughs> I, yeah. I I can't tweet to save <coughs> my life, and and, and, and my, my Instagram is pretty paltry. But um, but just share some thoughts and some ideas. And if I read something that really resonates with me in a book, I'll share it. If I see something that really resonates with me in a movie, I'll share it. And it just starts to give people a sense of who you are, where you're coming from. And yeah. so if all those people knew who I was, but I wasn't putting anything out there to show them what I was about, right. it wouldn't matter. Yeah. Um, but, but when you're starting, absolutely the hardest part is, um, is getting that uh, receptive audience. And, and I think it's really, really important. And one thing I've actually been very poor at because I've um, had the advantage of this pretty big audience through the Spartan Up stuff yeah. um, is actually creating content that I can share. So, for example, um, when I do public speaking, and I've done a fair bit of it, I still to this day don't have a really good professional video of me speaking in public, and I've probably given 50 paid speeches. <laughs> right. So when somebody says to me, well, can you send me some of your stuff? I'm like, no. But trust me, I'm really yeah. good, right? Yeah. And and so so I think it's really important to have that um, that easy-to-share media. And so the, the thing is, if you're just getting started as a coach, you don't have to have had a single coaching client to actually create some content, whether right. it's to, to, to do some um, blogs, to, um, to, to have a conversation like this and record yeah. it and put it online so somebody can hear where you're coming from. Um, I think is is very very valuable, and then um, and then it, it's so funny. Uh, we think we have to be on the cutting edge of the newest best. Like suddenly it's TikTok. I got to be on TikTok. Got to be on TikTok. You still have to have a basic website. You have to have a basic <laughs> social yeah. media presence. Right. Um, but but I think it's worth paying to get help for that too. Yeah. Um, j- just doing it ourselves it isn't enough. Like it, it really does help to get somebody who knows what they're doing to to start to leverage that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And so coming from the the Spartan realm, and then kind of applying, I guess, what were, what were you able to apply then going from that world and then sure. building more so into the, the coaching part that yeah. you were more passionate about? Well, well, it's funny because coaching, you know, really it's, it's life coaching, you know, and, and everyone has a different word for it. People are transition coaches. They're aspirational coaches. But it's, it's life coaching. But the problem with the term life coaching, it sounds like you know how to live and they don't, right? Yeah. And the reason I I consider mine life adventure coaching is I just want to find out what a life adventure would look like to you. And it doesn't have to mean swinging off a mountain or going down rivers. Right. It might mean opening that business. It might mean going back to dental school. It might mean being a better dad. Yeah. And I, I have clients literally all over the world. It's quite great that, um, you know, I'll, I'll have a client um, calling from London, England. And the next day, I'll have, uh, the next hour, I'll have a client calling from California. The next hour, I'll have a client calling from Germany. And, um, and they, um, they all want something different, but they just all want to be happy. Right. But but for, for some of them, really, it really just is, how can I be a better person? How can I enjoy life more? And um, But I need to find out what's important to them. And I think that, uh, that with Spartan Race, the one thing that was really great about it is that I got to see people struggle, and I got to see people succeed, and I got to see people fail and come back and succeed the next time. But what I realized looking around is that there was no common thread. Like, it's not like they were all tall or short or white or black or anything else, right? They were all different shapes and sizes and colors yeah. and backgrounds and ages and skill sets. And what they all wanted was they all wanted a visceral challenge. And, you know, you look at um, our current culture, especially the the the, uh, the treadmill at the gym and the um, 
cubicle at the office and how sanitized and sterilized and engineered everything is. Yep. The opportunity to go out and actually be in the mud or to, to, to run up a hill and, and feel your heart, feeling it's going to pound out of your chest. Um, we've been conditioned to avoid all difficulty and avoid all hardship. And so now it really helps me when I'm talking with my clients and they're telling me about their hardship and the difficulty in their life to actually frame it as an obstacle. Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be that this is this bad thing. We need to make this thing stop. Right. And now it's... um. Now, people think, like, when I can get past these obstacles, I can start my life. No, no, these obstacles are your life. Oh, yeah. And uh, let's, so let's, let's embrace them and figure out how, yeah. to, how, to, how to grow through this. So I, I think that, that that's the biggest thing I've been able to bring into my coaching is um, to, to see obstacles actually as kind of the point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and is that uh, with, with the growth, or is what, what do you think was the big impact for Spartan itself yeah. even and just being able to – grow to this large thing that's that's worldwide aside because there's a lot of different yeah. different ones and sure. one-off types of adventure racing yep. and those kind of things well it's it's extremely accessible so adventure racing which is fantastic but you have to have a good bike you have to have a good um uh, watercraft you have to be able to use a map you have to have three friends that'll do it with you right yeah these are all tricky things where a spartan race you show up with a pair of shoes and you go do it and there were three big ones at the start there were spartan race warrior dash and tough mudder um Spartan's the one that's thrived because it's really allowed you to turn it into an actual sport. Like, you know, you're timed, you're chipped, you find out where you fell in your age group, where you fell compared to other people in your gender. You can go back and do better the next time. There's all kinds of training videos. We've created this whole platform around it, like Spartan Up Podcast. We're interviewing these incredible people, talking about their experience of grit and resilience. And and so it really is a whole lifestyle shift. And, and you know... It spans beyond just that Very challenge. much so. Yeah. And sometimes I take it really for granted because I've been around it so long. But then I'll talk to somebody who, like, it changed their whole life. Like, somebody who lost yeah. 300 pounds and suddenly, you know, they were able to get off medications they've been on for years and they're suddenly doing something with their kids instead of uh, just watching their kids watch right. TV. And um, so it definitely does change lives, and, and, and I've seen that. Um, but the question about what, what has made it um, blow up and, and explode is I do think it's giving people an opportunity to really go out and, and A, show other people that they're challenging themselves, right? Show people that they're... I, I always joke and say that what we, our, our biggest product is Facebook profile pictures, right? It's a, it's a picture of you yeah. jumping over the fire, yeah. roar, covered in mud. Right. If we didn't have that and you just had to tell people to sing it in the week and they go, oh, cool, okay, whatever. Yeah. But people get to see it. And, um, and, I, and I think that's, that's important to people. Yeah. Um, on the one hand, to set themselves apart from everyone else who is going through the automaton life that we mm-hmm. all can get sucked into but also to find a community of like-minded people yeah who are doing cool amazing things and um uh there's there's a really you know there's no lack of communities out there like even just to start to follow a writer mm-hmm. who writes about these things and follow their blog and see the things they recommend and um there's there's a great great guy named alistair humphreys out of the uk who writes a blog called micro adventures and it's um um it's basically something along the words of thriving in the five to nine you know we all talk about the nine to five yeah well you got five to nine what are you doing with that and right. um people say well i can't afford to go to your canyon no i get it but you can go to the allura gorge if you live in guelph or toronto yeah. or wherever yeah you know go and enjoy it and experience it like uh, hamilton ontario i know i'm being a little gender sp- or <laughs> geographically specific here yeah has 15 incredible waterfall hikes that you can take a weekend and go see these unbelievably beautiful waterfalls and nobody ever does it um Go camping on a Tuesday. Like, yeah. literally, leave your office, drive two hours out of town, camp, drive two hours back in the morning, shave in the gas station on the <laughs> way and go into work, and nobody even yeah. knows you went. And right. um, the more we start to, to grab the things that we can grab instead of bemoaning things that we can't grab, 
it's just going to create a shift that starts moving us towards that. Right. So I, I think that's really, really important. Back to the, 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 the Spartan Reese question. Um, it just starts to open that up, just that crack that suddenly now, now you're that person. So a, yeah. gr a great example, the whole reason I got into that in the first place, 2009, I was beating myself up a bit. I had no idea what I was doing. I was out of shape. I really didn't have any direction at the time. Yeah. Um, and I decided to go run a marathon. I'd never run a marathon. I'd run, I'd never run an organized 5k. I'd run in high school, like track and field or right. um, cross country. So just started running a little bit on my own, went down to this marathon and finished just about, you know, it was the worst thing I've ever done <laughs> in my life. Right. But having shared that with some people, suddenly I was that crazy guy who ran a marathon, which it, in my mind was the craziest thing you could do. Right. right. And then people start putting these other things in your path. So you want to look at, at, at the perception you're putting out there to people. Like if you're putting out there the perception of somebody as a miserable person who doesn't do anything and uh, is a little bit grumpy about life, they're going to treat you that way. Mm, and it's right. going to reinforce that. Yeah. And if you want to shift that, just start reading about people who are doing the things you want to do. How do they act? How do they behave? What, exactly. what kinds of things do they do? And um, I hate the term fake it until you make it because that's, you know, you're not faking anything. But, um, but I always say, if I were, I would. So if I were more adventurous, I would do this. Well, why don't you do that? Yeah. And then inherently you're going to become more adventurous. Right. Well, if I were happier, I'd do this. If I were more social, I'd do this. Well, then do that thing. Yeah. And, uh, and so, so yeah, L look at the things you want to do and, and start acting in, the, in the, the ways that would facilitate that. Yeah, that's, that's a really, I think it's a really refreshing way to look at those types of things and what they do because you do end up looking at, oh, yeah, that's the crazy person that does that or this or whatever. But for that person, I mean, that's, that's a, a huge accomplishment that you sure. can't always you know, share with, with someone else of yep. what that really means to do something like that. And like you said, making something that's accessible, you can do it at the three mile version, then you can yep. go up to the, you know, 12 mile version or whatever. And you yeah. keep building up. I mean, there's, the there's journey always a thousand miles starts with a single step. <laughs> <laughs> right? yeah. Exactly. Yep. And when you got into that, uh, after the, the marathon and, and different races and stuff yep. like that, did you go more so into the planning and getting involved in 100%. that side of stuff yeah. or did you actually get into doing you know uh, like when you're at Figueiagua were you just helping with that or did you actually run so, the so challenge first race? time down there I was there competing okay and um and it, it's funny I, I I don't think of myself as um particularly competitive either in nature or in ability but I've actually had some great results at some of these races sure. you know where um uh, got the grit to yeah, put up with it. Which, which is fun, and, and I enjoy that. And I'm not the fastest or the strongest, but, you know, I'm just enough of each that, that you can do okay. But but I was never good en enough that I was going to make a career of competing. like that, yeah. that. I was well past that. I'm 51 now, and I started when I was 40, right? Like, <laughs> I'm not going to be on that many podiums. But... um but I was able to stay in that world by getting involved more on the on the on the race directing side and the organizing side and and I organized some of the the death races in Vermont, which are like multi day up to sixty seventy eighty hours long and you've got you know multiple challenges from the do across you know multiple mountains and there's a lot of logistics isn't a lot of that stuff happen in the moment too of yep. just like you're just like all right we need to make this change or, or to, like to to a degree yeah and it's funny because same with Fuego where you know you look and and Josue has a very um, clear and concise plan, but it also has to be modular yeah. because weather may kick <clears throat> in. We had a winter death race in Vermont, so the weather was unbelievable, and it made this part of the race impossible at this time. So we just shifted. So, okay, we're going to plug this part in. So when they come back from that loop, 
instead of sending them out on this loop, we're sending them this loop instead. Uh-huh. And um, so you have to be nimble. And it, but the creativity side, of it was amazing. I love, love, love that. Yeah. And then there's a responsibility of, you know, there's an inherent danger with these things. And yet you have to have search and rescue plans and you have to have, uh, you know, medical plans and things right. like that. So, um, uh, but, but again, with that, there's, you know, there are people out there creating an opportunity for you to do things. Like when you go to a music festival, you know, the logistics and the and the planning that went behind <laughs> right. the scenes so that I can see 10 of yeah. my favorite bands in one weekend, right? Um, you just have to start being really grateful for, for people doing that. I, I, I think that every year when I, I'm at Andrew's Resort and uh, New Year's Eve, we're putting on this big do for all these people, and I see how much work there is. And, you know, yeah. everyone else is, is getting ready to go out for the night, and this staff is all racing around, or, you know, anything, a golf tournament, the amount of work that goes into that, or... So, so... Gratitude's huge, huge, yeah. huge, huge. You hear it again and again and again. It's a bit of a buzzword. But if you're not grateful for all the stuff that people are doing for you and realize mm-hmm. that at any given moment, there's a terrific book by Rob Bresney called Pronoia. Pronoia is the opposite of paranoia. So instead of thinking the world's against you, the universe is against you, the universe is actually on your side. And he, he, he wrote an essay, and it's about all the things we take for granted. So, for example, that shirt, awesome shirt that you have on, that somebody picked the cotton, somebody twilled it, somebody created the design, somebody stitched it, somebody shipped it, somebody created that awesome logo, somebody actually made the ink. So there's literally over a thousand people that went into the production of that shirt that you go, cool shirt, put it on, and then take it off. And um, obviously we can't always be that hyper aware, but just to every now and then take a moment and think, this chair that I'm sitting in, wow, what went into this? Yeah. Um, It just starts opening you up to to being grateful for all the things that are going on. And, And I think that, like I said before with coaching, when people say, I hate my life, I want this life. If I can't get them to stop hating this life, they don't have any energy left to create that life. Right. So how can you actually enjoy and appreciate more of what's actually happening in your life? Yeah. And, and sure, you want to move over here. I totally get that. But we need to create some space for that and a little bit of excess good energy to pour into that rather than just spending all your time resenting this thing because there's actually a lot of good yeah. in almost anything. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I went on a bit of a tangent there. but Yeah, no, that's great. I love it. I, that's just, I, again, I think it's so much of that is is the perception of those things. Like you said, gratitude. I mean, how yeah. how much we do take for granted and yeah. how much those little things can change your perspective. I mean, all of a sudden you you look around and realize how, how big this canyon is and all the yeah. things that went into, you know, this being... Uh, you know, being here and us yeah. being here and then Absolutely. all the way down to from the largest scale things down to the smallest stuff of just getting this whole thing planned. I mean, yeah. every piece that we do from our business to our personal life and everything, there's so much that goes into it. I love that yeah. perspective. I'm just looking at to bring you back down, especially if you start, like you said, hating the life that you're in or the things that you're doing and realizing that, no, we have all this stuff to be thankful for now. And then you have, like you said, good energy to put towards the next thing. Even just the fact that we're 93 million miles from the sun instead of 91 million and frying or <coughs> 95 million <laughs> freezing, right? Right. I had a great chance with Chuck, uh, one of the guys on this trip who you know well, and yeah. uh, had a really just great talk about about um, our own variations on faith and, and, and what it all yeah. means to us. And, and um, you know, w- wherever you fall on that faith scale, there's room for tremendous gratitude yeah and um and so i I think that's super 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 important the other thing that i think is is really key with all this is we're also very much trained to be consumers like we learn to consume you know it's like study so you can get a good job so you can buy the right things right and like this this podcast you're doing you're producing something 
Yeah. And you're creating value for people. And you're actually putting stuff out there that is going to make someone else's life better, which at the end of the day is where the real reward is, both personally and actually financially as well. Like anyone who's become a, a tremendous financial success is because they've created enough value for other people yeah. that they're being rewarded for it financially. And, um, and especially if you're not doing it primarily for that reason, you know, like I look at uh, the passion you put into what you do and I mean, it puts you in the outdoors where you want to be and it harnesses your creativity and your skills that you've developed and allow you to use them in a, in a, in a positive way. And, um, and also to align yourself with, um, with, uh, companies and products that, um, that resonate with you. What a life yeah. you've created by being a producer. Right. right, you're not consuming; you're you're producing. Right, and so it doesn't mean that you have to be a manufacturer to produce. Like if you wake up in the morning and you're like, "Somebody better make me happy," <laughs> well, you're a consumer, right? Yeah, right. As right. opposed to waking up in the morning going, "Okay, it's my responsibility to be happy," and maybe if I can be happy enough, I can actually have a little bit of happiness to give someone else. Yeah, a smile, a high five, uh, um, a whatever. And then when you're producing, I like the the farming analogy that if you know if you don't know how to farm, you're a consumer. I'm a consumer of food. Right. Yeah. I, I don't grow food. I go and I buy food. Right. Um, but the farmer actually was able to grow not only enough for himself, but enough that there's extra. Now he's a producer. So, yes, I'm consuming that. I consume music because I can't produce music. Right. Um, so I there's nothing wrong with being a consumer and appreciating those things you're consuming. Yeah. Um, but the real value in life is to look and say, well, where can I contribute? And that's mm-hmm. with my coaching, with my speaking, with my um, race directing. I'm actually out there producing something that's making other people's lives better, and that's where I take all my satisfaction. Right. There's very little satisfaction in consuming. It's the hedonic treadmill. <laughs> you want something, yeah, you get true. it, and then it's gone. And now you'll need to want something else. And so long-term satisfaction will never come from consuming. It doesn't matter what car you buy, what house you buy, what trip you go on. Yep. It's over, and then there's something that you need next. Um, it's what you produce that's going to make you ultimately happy. Yeah, and it, and it's a... It's a good perspective, even even on a trip such as this one, that can be so much of you know the sights you're consuming, and just the the enjoyment and the people and the stuff around. But you're still, we're all contributing to that success as well. I mean, you're yeah. you're all playing the different part, the way that there's different teams, different yep. days, one's cooking, one's cleaning. You know, all these different things that go together. Um, you know, you're you're enjoying and, and consuming in a sense this experience yeah. but hopefully you know those that are here and I feel like a lot of us are, feel the same way is just that this is just fueling the thing for the for the next you know adventure to share with somebody else Absolutely. or to tell somebody about it and you know get another person excited about being on the Grand Canyon and so it's like yeah. it's something that can be contagious to continue to go on even though it is something that's you know, there's going to be some some consuming in there as well, but there's also yeah. the giving back. Hundred percent. I'm so excited that we've been asked to go back and speak again at that um, local group that mm. we spoke after Aconcagua, and so I'm going into this trip with that in mind, yeah. making notes each day about this is something we got to share. Or, or man, I can't wait till I can show them this picture. And um, uh, it, it there's many levels that can work on it. It can create a spark in somebody who will then go and do those things. Um, we have a, a friend who came on one of our trips to Nicaragua. We, Andrew and I organize trips now and then that are just like, I'll throw on Facebook, say, we're going here. Who wants to go on the, the sweet spot seems to be about 30, like yeah. 30 people went to Nicaragua, 30 people went to Jamaica, you know? Yeah. Um, we're, they say we're, we're going back to Columbia this fall. But, um, uh, this one woman who came on the trip had always wanted to travel and now she was around some people who traveled and only two years later, she's on a round the world trip. Her kids are both off in college and she's <laughs> doing it. And it's so cool yeah. like that I was able to create that opportunity for her. But I think also some people will never get to do it, and they do live vicariously, and that's okay. 
you know, um, for whatever reason, it's it's not something that they've prioritized, or they're not physically able, or they don't have the resources. But they still, you know, we go and we watch movies, and just because I watch Star Wars doesn't mean I want to be in outer space. It means yeah. I'm going to enjoy that. And if somebody comes and sees our presentation and they get to feel like they were actually there, I think that's really right. important too. And I think the other really cool thing is there will be an old timer come up to me after one of those and goes, oh, it reminds me of my trips down the Thompson River. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, that's so cool, right? Yeah. I want to have a coffee with a student hear his stories. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, I'm smiling, and, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, uh, Ron and Bobby and uh, Rick and Patty. Yeah. These two 70-year-old couples on this trip who, uh, in one case, is the 25th trip down the Colorado River. And, in um, a row, too. Yeah, 25th <laughs> uninterrupted. That's insane. <laughs> but um, they're such awesome people. And we look at, you know, we've got 15 you know, not super young, but young enough, able-bodied people putting it all together. And they've got four 70-year-olds pulling yeah. the boats up and setting the tables up and rolling yeah. through uh, lava falls. Big rapids and, and all that. And, uh, you know, uh, life goals right there to, to, to be uh -huh. able to keep doing that stuff. And and um, and it's funny, in terms of um, my own focus, my own direction the next while, what I'm really targeting with the coaching and with the, the some of the adventure planning is... It, it's been a pretty big net, and I'll, I'll just keep working with whoever wants to, to me to work with them. Yeah. But the the focus I'm creating is around sort of the 50 to 70 age bracket. 45 to 65 probably is, is more specific. But um, I look around at so many people my age, 51, who think that either it's too late, oh, that's a younger person's game, or that they've got all the time in the world and there's no rush, Yeah. neither of which is right. Yeah, uh, a, I figure if you're in reasonable shape, or can get there, which you can, um, you've got a good 20 year window ahead of you. Like Ron and Bobby don't look like they're ready to pack it anytime soon. <laughs> they're in their 70s now, right? Maybe yeah. a 30 year window ahead of you. <clears throat> Maybe a 35 year window ahead of you. Yeah. To actually get out and do stuff, and you know, a lot of your life responsibilities. Um, you know, my kids are grown now; they're both done school. Uh, it's not irresponsible for me to be taking off and doing these things, and so. Um, uh, I, I really think that that's a niche that I'm excited about is to, to create opportunities for people in that bracket. Mm, and I yeah. also think in, in this world, you know, you work a lot in the outdoor world. And one thing I think is really, really great about it is if I'm building a widget, right, and I build a widget, then I have to worry somebody's going to build a better widget because then everyone's going to buy that widget instead of my widget. And so, you know, you become a commodity. But I think that in this world, um, you don't have to go after every single outdoor contract. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. somebody else is going to get that one, and that's fine. There, right. There's enough. There are few, few enough people doing what you're doing. So I mean, I'm so jealous of all your Yeti gear. <laughs> <laughs> You've got like the best of the best of the best, right? And we were joking about like that's a lot of gear. Um, but that's that's a, a, a great a great contract you have that you're doing a great job for. And and um, you don't need to have every single outdoor product. And and I look at coaching from that standpoint and adventure planning from that standpoint that I don't need to coach ten thousand people. I can coach you know, 20 people at a time, and that that's enough. And I can organize trips for 30 or 40 people. That's enough. I don't need to be Viking cruises to be able to, to, to get by. Yeah. And so um, so that that's the other really cool thing is is to find that to find that niche that you can bring some expertise to that other people maybe aren't. Yeah. Um, and, and not spend any time looking over your shoulder worrying about somebody else. Like, exactly. oh, no, what if, what if somebody hears this podcast, which they will, <coughs> and they think, I'm going to organize <laughs> trips for 50 to 70-year-olds. Have at it yeah, and call please. me and we'll do and we'll we'll we'll, we'll share <laughs> ideas. Like yeah. there are plenty of fifty to seven year olds out there in the world. I don't need them all. It'd yeah. Kill it. But but yeah. you know what? Let's get in touch and share ideas. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's something that that I continually go back to as well, just being in in the media and creative space and that kind of thing, because you know, there's there's always another 
photographer, another video, you know, there's another one coming out and, and yeah, they're, they're going to make better stuff or going to do this or go to that place and take it differently or a different picture or whatever. But that just, it has to motivate you to continue to go on. It's just like, yeah. that's inspiring. Like these people are doing these things. Awesome. I get to do this thing too. And that's just going to yeah. keep making, Oh, that's a great idea. I'm going to try that next well, time. J- or, just last night when I was going down for a pee by the river, he <clears> said, Hey, when you're done, come on and show you something. And I came up and he showed me your slider and said, I just got this thing. It's and, uh, and the cool thing about it is somewhere along the way you had seen a shot and said, how do they get that shot? Yeah. Oh, they use this piece of equipment. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, and again, it's not resenting that person for having a better shot. It's awesome. Yeah. Now I know how to go and make that shot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very much so. Yeah. And then that's, uh, it's just cool because, you know, for, for some people that, that can be a, a hindrance to trying to do what they want to do because someone already is doing it or yeah. someone else is, you know, there's, A, there's there's always more people, more opportunities and things out there than yeah. what's already being done. Absolutely. And there's continual, you know, growth in those different spaces. And I think that's yeah. a really motivational piece for those that want to jump into whatever they want to do. And especially to draw the obstacle factor back into it. If there were no obstacles to achieving that, if there were no impediments, everyone would already be doing it. (laughs) Yeah. So that thing that you think, damn, that makes it hard. Awesome. That's the opportunity. Because if you're willing to do that where somebody else wasn't, then you get the fruits of it. Right. And most people aren't willing to do even something that's a little bit hard. We're just not trained that way. Yeah. So be really grateful that things are difficult because all the opportunity lies in just being willing to be the guy who does it or the gal who doesn't. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. It's that, it's that challenge. that's going to even just taking on hard things. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of great enjoyable things on this river too, but there's a lot of hard ones too. Yeah, I mean, you're, sure. you're having to put up with, you know, being in the sand all the time and you're pushing on oars and loading up and unloading, yeah. loading up and, and dealing with all the, you know, those different adversities and challenges on the river. But I mean, the payoffs are, are huge too. And so you got to put in a little bit of that for yeah. sure. And speak, speaking of loading up and unloading and everything else, <laughs> uh, I was joking with you earlier that, so the podcast that I spent a lot of time on the Spartan Up podcast, um, I was saying one of the um, love hate things with it is that <coughs> it's video as well. And that, um, and that, that makes it, a lot more challenging. I love being able to sit and talk and not, yeah. you know, not, not worry what anything looks like. Right. But um, uh, I'm actually wishing right now this one was video because I'm looking behind you <laughs> at you know these incredible mesas yeah. and buttes and then the sun's just not quite setting. We're just getting later in the sky over to the right here. And, uh, and I can hear the, um, the, the rapids in the background. And yeah. so we're, we're on uh, a layover here. And layover days are pretty sweet. If you put enough miles in, you earn a layover day where you can actually stay and not break down the next day yeah. and have a day for some side hikes and some reading and some sitting and some recording podcasts. And, <laughs> and uh, so like yeah. you say, there's challenges and obstacles. And, you know, um, our last big paddle day, um, uh, we've got a, a couple of easy paddle days ahead of us, but, you know, Lava Falls, which is the is the epic, everyone talks about Lava yeah. Falls. I mean, it's one of the hardest rapids in the world. And, um, and you know, I, I wasn't rowing. I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm crew on the boat. I'm not, I'm not a <laughs> captain. But, um, but to see all you guys stand and uh, and take the time and like the scouting of it, you know, a good solid half hour of looking at the water and where it's going and talking about different shots and, uh, yeah. and if I go that way, what do I have to do to prepare for it? What happens if I get into that um, hole there? How do I get out of it? And and to watch you five go through it. And, and was that your first time at the oars going through lava? It was, that yeah. That was awesome. Like, no, it, was, it was phenomenal. <laughs> it, was, it was so cool. It was a little nervous, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, 100%, <laughs> right? But how great is that? Like, yeah. You know, the, um, it's funny, fear and excitement are the exact same emotion. People don't understand that, that, that um, biologically fear and excitement are the same emotion. Mm. Excitement is just fear with, with, with um, uh, pleasant anticipation, right? You're, you're, uh. you're, you're looking forward to something. And, of course, there's a little bit of fear in there. 
you know, skydiving. We pay to go on roller coasters. We pay to do all these things that are, are inherently yeah. scary. And, yeah. uh, and so, um, so you going into that, um, and coming up with a huge smile on your face. Right. And, yeah. uh, and, 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 uh, it's awesome. And the fact, but the fact that five out of five were able to get through there, yeah. um, as somebody who's a consumer in that situation, I'm very, very grateful that yeah. the people producing did a great job. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, yeah. And, and, and now we're enjoying a rest day, which era uh, right. over day, which is pretty sweet. Right. Yeah. And so what's, I guess, uh, you said you write down some of the notes from different trips and those kind yeah, of sure. things. What, um, I guess, what's the big part for you to kind of carry on? I mean, you got pictures and you got yeah. different things. Like, what's what seems to be a way to to keep these different trips, you know, new and, and fresh and yeah. still on your mind? So, um, one thing I, I and I, I encourage people when when you look at what you're focusing on in any given day. So, like, I love um, um, uh, my on this day on Facebook. It's called Memories Now when it pops up, but it's because I'm sharing the things that I'm excited about. And so when it comes up, it reminds me, oh, yeah, I was really excited about this last year. So when you're journaling, of course you want to deal with the hard stuff. You want you don't want to sugarcoat everything. But I see friends who, um, um, you know, they'll post their just general bitching about the day, you know, on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. And it's yeah. like, well, another shitty day. Boss ripped me off and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know that a year from now you're going to be reminded of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I had a shitty day a year ago. Uh. Um, but I, I really do think it's um, anything that isn't good, you want to look what the lesson is. So if there's something that you didn't enjoy about that day, and I've made notes on this trip about things that like, oh yeah, I was a bit of a dick on this day. Um, what was I doing? What what caused my mood to be off? Whatever. And um, but to look at it from the standpoint of what can I now do with that, rather than have it be a memory, it's a lesson. But the good stuff, um, and, and you know, they say we learn a lot more. We learn a lot more through failure than we do through success, right. which is true. You enjoy success, but you should learn from failure. Whenever you're not being who you want to be, you want to look and say, well, how can I be better? But when you are being who you want to be. Just enjoy that and soak that in. Mm -hmm. um, and so so on a, on a trip like this, um, being present, you know, like really enjoying things while you're enjoying them. Right. Rather than, you know, even something like, like lava. You know, we talk about it a lot on the trip. But if you're spending the whole trip looking forward to that, <laughs> you're missing bedrock and you're right. missing all these other amazing things, right? Yeah. And even the little ones. Like I loved, I, I've never whitewater kayaked. I've done a lot of flatwater kayaking. Um, but I jumped in that little inflatable kayak and pounded through some fives and some sixes and some like you know, some stuff I had no business being in from the same kind of technical <laughs> skills, but right. but really enjoying every minute of that and and sitting here you know when you wake up and you look around and think this is all right like, this is really really cool yeah. um, and it's it's easy in the Grand Canyon for two weeks to totally forget where you are and I've gone an hour without going holy shit <laughs> yeah. right like yeah. like you know and how can you do that how can you go an hour without looking around going look at where i am um but like i say we, we do that with everything you know um uh i i think the other thing with this is it, it's much easier to be aware of the good stuff because we're out of our normal comfort zone yeah and that's a great thing about a race or the great thing about an event or the great thing about a music festival because you're outside of your tiktok yeah. And um, the TikTok is very seductive and very monotonous, and it just it just drags you and drags you in. And that's why I think it's really important to create changes just day to day. Like, just drive a different way to work, right? Um, get on the subway 45 minutes early and have your lunch, or sorry, your breakfast close to the office so you can literally see different people than you saw every other day when you get on and see that exact same person every day. Yeah. I wonder, wonder who rides the subway an hour earlier. Like, um, 
or um, go listen to music other than what you normally listen to. Anytime that you're in a unique situation, there's a really, really, really great TED Talk. I cannot remember the guy's name, but if you've ever seen it, he brings a goat on stage with him and keeps the goat on stage the whole time and never addresses the goat to the end of the speech (laughs) and never even acknowledges it. But what he's talking about is about um, how our brains are efficient machines, and if there's something we've experienced before, we don't have to process it again, Uh right? Right. And so if you drive the same way to work every time, your brain just stops processing it. That just doesn't even exist. That's just getting to work. And you do the same thing every day and you push the same paper, it stops processing it. And that's why at the end of people's lives, they go, where did that time go? Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, it, it, you didn't live 75 years. Yeah. You lived one year 40 times. Right. 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 And so just doing anything different, shaking something up in any way. Um, Andrew and I talk a lot about how we want to constantly be learning new sports as we get older. You know, um, she's never really curled, so we want to we want to take up curling in our in our in our fifties. Nice. Um, you know, yeah. uh, whitewater uh, paddling. And neither one of us really whitewater paddled, but there's great whitewater right near us in Minden, Ontario. So we're gonna go home and get into whitewater paddling this summer to to continue this experience. Yeah, and um, I think that again in life, a lot of people they do a lot when they're younger, and then they start to fall into patterns. They know what kind of wine they like, what kind of wine they don't like, so they only drink the wine they like. So now they have their one bottle of wine for the rest of their life. I only like this kind of food. I don't like that kind of food. And so through attrition, our life gets smaller and smaller. And we have our friends. We don't make new friends. We have our friends. And those yeah. friends move away or die, and we have less friends. And and I think it's really important to, no matter what age you're at, expand it, expand. Just create new opportunities. Do things differently. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be big. Find little things you can do differently. Right. And, and anyone who's listening who's a parent, the best thing you could ever, ever teach your kids is to not be afraid to try new things and to know ahead of time you're probably going to fail and that's awesome because we try and shield our kids from failure we teach them our patterns we expect them to listen to the same things we did and and see things the same way we do and if our kids don't see things like we do we withhold our approval and uh and and then and then you know then we condition them that if you want mom or dad to love you you have to see (laughs) things the way i do and uh, I, i wrote a blog post years ago called my people my kids are people not projects and i really realized one day that holy shit i'm trying to mold them into being something they deserve yeah. so much more from me. All they deserve right. is support to be whoever they want to be. Right. So, so if if you need extra motivation for actually stepping up and taking some of this on, creating some micro adventures in your life, doing some things differently, taking on some new challenges, just look at those little people who are, you know, even nieces and nephews. If you don't have kids, yeah. Who who do they see you being? Because if they love you, which you hope that they do, they're probably going to want to be like you. Yeah. Yeah. And leading a. a a good example, but not also expecting them to do the exact same thing for sure. J- just right. showing it's them huge. that it's okay to take new things on. It's okay yeah. to fail. It's okay to be vulnerable. Yeah. Right. And um and uh, and I think that's huge. That's actually kind of a neat buzzword right now in our society: vulnerability. Yeah. And the fact that guys are starting to get onto that and go, "Oh, okay, yeah, I don't have to be so bulletproof all the time." Right. That's right. pretty pretty great. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, I think it's uh, there's there's a lot of practical things that you can take from like you said, even a trip like this or just going back into life and, and doing things differently. And I think that's, um, yeah, that's a good, that's a good statement to kind of, end end our, sure. our time on for now. I know we could, we could go on a long time about well, our, uh, <laughs> our, our, our secret is we have four more days in the river. Yeah, exactly. We have lots more time, but yeah, exactly. it's, it's their time that we're wrapping yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's different coming. I mean, it's, we still got time on the river and, yeah. it's, and it seems like a short amount of time, but it's, it's still lots more to, to explore and adventure and some more miles to paddle on the river too. And, and, um, yeah, it's just been, 
It's been awesome. So for the for for people that want to to check out more of the things you're doing, yeah, sure. or like you say, writing blog posts and stuff, yep. where where can they find some of that stuff? So it's all starting to fall into uh, one place, which is lifeadventurecompany.com. And um, I've been remiss in that I used to is write that a lot just of co or all spelled out company? Uh, all, all spelled okay. out lifeadventurecompany.com. Cool. And um, uh, yeah, so so I'm, I'm migrating my blog to there. Um, I've uh, got my uh, coaching offerings on there. There's going to be some adventure trip planning that's going to go on to there. And, uh, and even speaking, you know, um, yeah. that's something I really, really enjoy getting up and sharing this message in a dynamic, energetic way for a group of people. Yeah. And so uh, if anyone wants to explore any of that, lifeadventurecomedy.com, Johnny Waite. Awesome. Thanks, Johnny, brother. Thanks for taking the time. You're welcome, my man. That was a good time where we got a good rest of the river, and uh, we'll catch you guys later. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you're able to glean some valuable insights from this episode. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and let us know what you thought and your feedback. We would love to hear from you. If you want to find out more, visit silverlinefilm.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook under Silverline Films. And we look forward to seeing you next week on Silverline Behind the Frame.